But today we're going to talk about beware of false teachers. You know, the whole Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament has many warnings about false prophets and false teachers. Let's just look at one of those passages in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Because now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And so we are living in the latter days or the last days. The last days are the time from when Jesus ascended into heaven until he returns again. And so we are living in those last days. It's a time in which the number of false teachers will increase. Now this verse speaks of believers departing or falling from their faith and turning to becoming these false teachers, promoting false teaching. In fact, it tells us that false teaching is really teaching of demons. Demons are liars and false teaching consists of lies rather than the truth. And people who are false teachers may actually believe that what they're saying is true, but it is not true. False teachers have been deceived themselves and end up deceiving others who are not careful. And Jesus himself warned people about false teachers. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So herein all is the dilemma. False teachers come and they don't wear a sign. They don't announce themselves, I am a false teacher. Jesus said they come looking like sheep. And what do sheep represent? Well, sheep are followers of Jesus. Sheep are, are uh, people who are following the good shepherd. And so false teachers appear to look like any of the other sheep. But yet they are not. Inwardly, they are not sheep. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. They are not filled with God inside. They are filled with lies and evil. And what they do is not build people up. They actually tear people down and do damage to people. So if false teachers look great on the outside... How can we detect who they are? How can we discern? Jesus goes on in verse 16. He says, you will recognize them, those false teachers, by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So the results and fruit of these false teachers will make apparent what their internal character is. And Jesus asks a question here, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? The answer is no. Are figs gathered from thistles? No. Thorn bushes produce thorns. And thistles produce prickly things, okay? Prickly things, I guess, is what they produce. In the same way, a false teacher will not produce good things, good fruit. They will produce negative things. They'll not produce people living for God. They'll not produce healthy churches walking with God. Other than the long-term fruit, how can we 
recognize false teachers by comparing their teaching with the gold standard, by comparing their teaching with the Word of God. Now, there are two types of false teaching as I was thinking about this. The first type is teaching something directly contrary to Scripture. Scripture says, this is the truth. The false teacher says, no, that's not the truth. This is the truth. Teaching something very different than Scripture. Now, one of the reasons false teachers appear as sheep is that they will use Scripture. In fact, they'll even use some Scripture the right way. But oftentimes, they'll misuse Scripture and seek to lead people away from the truth of God's Word actually using Scripture. Now, of course, we had the prime example of this when Satan tempted Jesus. Satan himself used Scripture, quoting Scripture to tempt Jesus, misusing Scripture. And so Satan there was a, a type, a, a typical type of a false teacher. So the first way that false teaching, uh, the first type of false teaching is false teaching that is contrary to Scripture. The second type of false teaching is that teaching that does not teach the whole counsel of God, that does not teach certain important topics in Scripture. They leave them out. They are purposely avoided. And that is also false teaching. God commands us to teach the whole counsel of God's Word and not leave things out. Many churches that identify as Christian in America today are filled with false teaching of many kinds. You don't have to look far to find it. And so our goal today is, first of all, to be able to identify false teaching and false teachers so that we do not fall for the lies that they teach. And secondly, we want to be able to warn others who may have listened to false teaching to warn them about the truth of God's word. So today we're going to look at what Jesus taught about how to recognize what false teachers teach from Luke chapter 11. We are to beware of false teachers who focus on outward rules. We're going to begin in verse 38. And in this case, Jesus was invited to a dinner party by a Pharisee. And the party uh, was Jesus and a bunch of Pharisees and scribes that were there. Verse 38, the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not, Jesus did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup with the dish and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. And so the custom of the Pharisees and the scribes was to wash their hands before they ate. This was not primarily done for health reasons. It was done to make sure they did not eat anything unclean. If their hands were unclean or dirty and they ate something, took it into themselves, they figured they had become unclean. And so Jesus did not turn out to be this ideal dinner guest that the Pharisees had expected. Not only, uh, first of all, he didn't wash his hands like they all did. He didn't, he didn't conform to that practice. And he speaks to the Pharisees. And uh, this is not meek and mild Jesus. If you read the Gospels, 
you see that Jesus was not meek and mild. He was loving, but he was direct. And he called out people who were not doing what was right. So Jesus used this outward washing as an illustration of who the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were Jewish leaders. They loved to appear religious on the outside. But inside, things weren't so great. In fact, Jesus said inside, they were full of greed and wickedness. The Pharisees had a lot of outward rules. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 40, Jesus gets a little more direct. You fools. Did you not, did not he, that's God, who made the outside make the inside also? But Jesus calls these Pharisees fools, false teachers. God made their souls on the inside to be filled with God. And yet, their souls were filled with ungodliness. And on the outside, they were keeping all these rules, thinking that is what made them righteous. He said, but give alms, give as alms these things that are within. And withhold, and behold, everything is clean for you. Alms are offerings to God. The Pharisees, we know from other passages, love to give alms and they did it publicly so everybody could see how much they were giving. They would go to the temple and bring their money bags and make sure everybody's watching as they put their big money bag in the offering. They did it for outward show. But they had not allowed God to change them on the inside. As we'll see, they did not accept Jesus as the promised Messiah. They wanted to keep their religion and their rules. And so the problem with the false teachers of the Pharisees is that they focused on keeping outward rules rather than having God change them on the inside. So we also must beware of false teachers in our day who focus on outward rules. We must be careful not to focus on rules ourselves as a means to righteousness. False teachers are, Jesus called them hypocrites in other places, pretending to be righteous, to show everyone else how righteous they were in their giving, in their praying, whatever it may be, but inwardly they were not that way. Now the rules that false teachers promote are, are not the commands of Scripture. They are additional rules that they have invented. And the Pharisees and scribes had invented thousands of rules that were supposed to help you obey the commands of Scripture, but actually put people in bondage. The biggest lie that false teachers today, I believe, teach is a teaching that a person is saved or can go to heaven by being good. By being a good person. Common teaching is that good people go to heaven. Bad people go to hell. If you do enough good things, God weighs those good things in a balance. If your good things outweigh your bad things, hey, you're in. You have a ticket for heaven. And that is the predominant belief 
of Americans, the majority of Americans believe that's how you go to heaven. And a large number of people, the vast majority of people think they are going to heaven as well. The Bible teaches that only those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are saved. Now, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he changes us on the inside. And we begin to do the good things that he wants us to do. And so our outward actions change as well. But it's not our outward actions that saves us. So we must beware of false teachers who focus on outward rules. Next, we must beware of false teachers who put themselves above others. Verse 42, Jesus continues. He says, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So as we said before, the Pharisees and scribes prided themselves on their giving to God. In fact, they were tithers. They gave God 10% of everything they had. Even in their herb garden, just little gardens that they had in their houses where they grew some herbs, they calculated 10% of the herbs and they gave that back to God. And what does Jesus do? He actually commands their tithing. He says, you should have done that. In fact, there he establishes tithing as a New Testament instruction as well. The problem was not their tithing. The problem was they neglected other important things. He says they neglected showing justice to people. They neglected, neglected the love of God. And so the Pharisees had some major problems putting themselves above others. Jesus goes on in verse 43, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. And so the Pharisees were prideful people. They liked the applause of others. They always wanted to be first. And so in the synagogues, I don't know where it was, there were some special seats there and they sat in those special seats and they loved to be recognized by everyone as being very holy, righteous people. In Jesus' day, he speaks of graves. Graves in Jesus' day were were marked so that you wouldn't inadvertently walk on a grave as you were walking through a, a field wherever they had graves. Why didn't you want to walk on a grave? Well, they were filled with bones and uncleanness. The false teachers were like unmarked graves where people associated with them, but they didn't realize what was inside. What was inside was not the same as what they were showing outwardly. They deceived people who did not perceive their inward pride. They were hypocrites, as Jesus calls them in other passages, appearing godly on the outside, but full of wickedness and pride on the inside. Now, there were not just Pharisees there, 
at this dinner party. There were also scribes or lawyers, different translations uh, translate the term differently. Verse 45, one of the lawyers answered him, that's Jesus, teacher, and saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Well, this lawyer or scribe realized Jesus was, in his terms, insulting the Pharisees. And he said, like, you know, we're kind of buddies with these Pharisees. You're insulting us too. That's not so nice, Jesus. Did Jesus apologize? I don't think so. He said, woe to you also. Woe to you also because you are doing some of the same things. The scribes and lawyers were actually the the ones who wrote down and, and helped invent all these rules. I believe we still have these rules today. I think it's in the, called the Mishnah, which has all of these thousands of rules how to obey God's word by keeping these rules. Some of the rules, like you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, so they tried to find out what work was. You can... You can't prepare food or this kind of food or you can do this. You can lift this amount but not that amount and all these kind of things. Impossible to keep, impossible to memorize. And he's saying you load people with burdens. And you yourselves don't keep the rules that you've invented for other people. And so they put themselves above others. They made rules that other people were supposed to keep but they didn't keep them themselves. And the rules were not part of God's word. These were things that were invented. Beware of false teachers who put themselves above others. And so false teachers do the exact opposite of what a true teacher of God should do. They put themselves above others and they do not serve other people. Some false teachers of our day accumulate millions of dollars from people who support their ministries. And oftentimes their message is, look at me. You can be a rich millionaire like me if you just give me your money. Unfortunately, that is a false teacher. And no one should enable those type of false ministries, even if they do say some things that are true. False teachers are always name droppers, letting you know they move in circles you don't move in. They have friends in high places, putting themselves above the ordinary people. False teachers have no time to pray for you, to listen to you. True teachers always have time for the needy. They always have time for the hurting and so God calls us to use the resources that he's entrusted to us to further his kingdom and to help others, not just ourselves. And so beware false teachers who put themselves above others. Finally, beware false teachers who oppose true teachers. Verse 47, woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, whom your fathers killed, so you are 
witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them and you build their tombs. Now we're going through all these woes. What are these woes? I mean, a woe, when Jesus pronounces a woe on you, it's not a good thing. Uh, it means that you're going to be judged unless you change, unless you repent. You are headed in the wrong direction if Jesus says woe to you. So the false prophets and unbelieving Israelites in the Old Testament, they opposed and even killed the true prophets. They didn't want to hear the truth. And Jesus now accuses these contemporary leaders as opposing true prophets as well. Of course, Jesus himself was in their midst. And Jesus was the greatest prophet. In fact, he was more than a prophet. He was the Messiah. The promised Messiah, he was the very son of God. And yet the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day and the majority of Jews would oppose him and not believe in him and ultimately hand him over to be crucified. Jesus goes on to say, therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. Not only did the current leaders endure or endorse their ancestors' sins by building these tombs, they would continue them in their own time. Jesus prophesied that these false teachers would persecute and even kill true prophets and true apostles after he ascended into heaven. And they did. In fact, I forget, just about every one of the 12 apostles was martyred, uh, oftentimes by Jewish leaders. The generation of Israelites in Jesus' day bore the greatest responsibility because they had seen Jesus, the Son of God, walk in their midst, the very Son of God. They had heard him teach. They had seen his miracles. They had heard the stories of him raising the dead. In fact, they were witnesses of him rising from the dead again. And yet they opposed and rejected him. Verse 52, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. So this is one final woe of six against the lawyers or scribes. The lawyers deprided themselves as being very knowledgeable about the Old Testament law. In fact, many of them had memorized large portions of the scripture. And yet Jesus accuses them of taking away the key of knowledge about God from other people. You see, these lawyers did not have a relationship with God. They did not have faith in God. And so these rules and laws were just dead letters on a page to them. No one could come close to God by following their rules. They'd taken away the key to truly knowing God. It says they did not enter themselves. They did not enter into knowing God themselves. 
And with all their activities, outwardly righteous religious activities, they were preventing others from coming close to God as well. Verse 54, as he, that's Jesus, went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him, to catch him in something he might say. So here we say, we see these Pharisees and scribes acting according to what Jesus was just saying. They were opposing a true teacher. They were opposing a true prophet. They were opposing the very Messiah who had come to save them. They were trying to catch him in anything that he was saying so they could stop his ministry. So they could trap him into saying something that would turn the crowds against him. And ultimately, they would conspire to have him crucified. And so we must beware of false teachers who oppose true teachers. Now we see the same thing happening today all around us, both in religious circles and in society at large. You see, False teachers are those who teach lies, who teach things that are not true. It can be spiritual things, or it can be things in society as well. So there are false teachers in the media. There are false teachers in education. And there are false teachers in churches. There are false teachers in ministries. There's all kinds of false teachers. And those who are false teachers, why are they false teachers? Because they promote lies. Things that are not true. And lies, things that are not true, always come from the dark side. They come from Satan himself, who is the father of lies, according to Jesus. And they will always oppose true teachers. Why? Because what the false teachers teach and what true teachers teach is diametrically opposed to one another. And usually, the, usually they will do what the Jews of Jesus' day did. And in fact, most Jews today continue to do. False teachers will do what? They will call true teachers false. And pass their own teachings off as true. And that's always the case. Those who lie call those who tell the truth liars. And so, of course, you go back and forth. So as Christians, how can we determine? How can we determine what is the truth and what is lies? Well, we have an objective standard of truth, the Bible, God's word. That's why God had his word written down in a book for us to read and to study. And those who teach contrary to God's word are false teachers. And those who teach according to God's word are true teachers. Now, in order to discern God's truth, we need to understand what the Bible says. Three things I believe are necessary to have a deep understanding of God's word. First of all, to have a deep understanding of God's word, first of all, you have to believe in Jesus. Now, to believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has to help you to understand at least what you need to do to be saved, and he will do that for you. 
And so an unbeliever, as they sincerely seek to understand God's word, God will begin to reveal it to them by his spirit. And once they believe, once they put their faith in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them. And the Holy Spirit enlightens us. It helps us. He helps us to understand what God's word is saying. So that's the first step to having a deep understanding of God's word. The second step is probably pretty obvious. We have this book. We need to read this book. Okay, God gave us a book. He gave us one book. Well, there's 66 in there, but it's one book composed of 66 books. And we need to read it. Unfortunately, that simple fact has eluded many Christians. We need to read God's word regularly. You know, when you go to college or high school, for that matter, you've got all kinds of books you need to read for class, right? All kinds of books. And if God had given us, you know, you need to master this library of books, you know, in order to really walk with me, it's like, oh, that's just too much. So how many books did God give us to master in a lifetime? One book with 66 chapters, as it were. One book. Now, it's a big book. I'll admit to that. It's a long book, but it's one book. One book to master that will tell us everything we need to know about God, everything we need to get closer to God. The Holy Spirit will illuminate things to us to guide us on a daily basis. So the first step to really understanding God's word, to be able to discern the truth, is to become a believer. Secondly, to read the Bible, to read God's word. And thirdly, you need to be part of a biblical church. You need to listen true to true teachers. God has placed teachers, prophets, evangelists in the church to help us learn, to help us move past different barriers we might have in understanding God's word. Yes, we need to read it and understand it for ourselves. We also need to learn from other people. And so every believer who wants to truly understand God's word needs to be part of a biblical church with true teachers. And you can't measure true teachers by the size of their church. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there is a, somewhat of a negative correlation there. <clears throat> and we'll leave it at that. And we'll talk more about that in the future. As you grow in understanding God's word, as you understand in knowing Jesus better, you're going to be able to discern false teaching. You're going to be able to discern false prophets and false teachers. Beware. They're all around us. I mean, there's not just a few. They're all around us and they are increasing. I mean, just in my lifetime, it, it's exponentially increasing the amount of false teaching that's around us. Beware of false teachers who oppose true teachers. So in this message series, we're learning to do what Jesus did. Learning to do what Jesus did. And I hope we're going to start a different message series in a couple Sundays. But I hope that phrase sinks into your hearts. Doing, we are called to do what Jesus did. I think that's obvious. It is not obvious. It is not obvious to the majority of Christians. It is not obvious. So when Jesus does something, he calls us to do the same thing. What did Jesus do with these false teachers? He called them out. 
We are to expose false teaching. Oh, that's, that's not nice. You know, I mean, what will they think? They might think I'm not a nice person. They might think I'm insulting them. What did Jesus do? We are called to do the same things Jesus did. We must be on guard against false teachers. False teachers who focus on outward rules. We must recognize false teachers who put themselves above others. Who in their greed accumulate riches for themselves rather than helping extend the kingdom of God. We must beware of false teachers who oppose true teachers. And we must recognize who is the true and who is the false. And we can do that as we read and study God's word. Many false teachers, in fact, in a spiritual sense, all false teachers well, let me say, in the Christian world, call themselves Christians, of course, right? Because they want you to believe what they say. They move in the Christian circles. Obviously, there are false teachers in other religions, false teachers that are Muslims, and their whole books and everything are lies of Satan. It's not another way to God. They are false teachers. The Mormons, it's a cult. They believe many things contrary to God's word. They have another book. That comes from Satan, not from God. And yet, they are insistent that they are Christians as well. And we could go on and on. We must be aware of false teachers who oppose true teachers. Many denominations today that not used to be full of false teaching have drifted far from God today and are now full of false teachers, no longer teaching the truth of God's word. And so we are to beware ourselves. We need to watch ourselves. It's so easy. It, many of these things sound good on the surface until you think about it, until you compare it to what God's word says. So we must beware ourselves. And God calls us to warn others who are listening to false teaching, who are in churches that are teaching false teaching. And they're all around us, and I'm talking to people on a regular basis who are believers but are in churches they know are teaching false things, major things. And they're caught because of relationships and other things. They need to leave and not endorse and not promote that type of thing. Warn others that you know who are listening to false teaching, who are in false churches to get out and become part of a biblical church. Truth matters. Truth matters to God. It matters to us. And so may God help us to know the truth and to spread the truth. To become a believer, to truly understand the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So to really understand the truth, to know the truth, we have to know the person, the person of Jesus. And to truly know him, we need to, first of all, repent of our sin. Sin is the result of believing the lies of Satan. 
We need to repent, turn away from our sin. We need to believe in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to submit our life to him. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. I'd like everyone present, and if you're listening online, to bow your head as well. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. If you never prayed a prayer like this before, I'd encourage you to pray. If you would like to recommit your life to Jesus today, I would encourage you to pray this prayer as well. Pray along with me something like this. Father, today I repent. I turn away of my sin. There's things that I have done in my life that were wrong. I believe the lies of Satan rather than your truth. And I turn away from those sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. Come into my life. I submit myself to you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow your truth all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.